Hello, PolyM fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome back to Talk Your Poly Off. I'm Monsada. And I'm Bella. And here we are at episode 53. This is kind of week two for our COVID-19 quarantine. Yeah, I mean, we're not quarantined. We're just on self-imposed shut-in, lock-in, right. hanging out at home. <laughs> so far. So, so far. far, we'll see. Well, maybe almost not week two, because we did that episode on Thursday. So... Week one and a half, somewhere around there. But we're still going to work. Right. So we haven't been, our state hasn't been shut down for non-essential businesses yet. We're still going to work on cut back hours. Yeah. So we'll see what Monday brings, whether they kick us out. Right. So here we are, and you're shut in with us, and we have a very special guest today. We have decided to bring in a professional child. <laughs> Of a polyamorous household. Yeah. And that child is DJ. Hello and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. And she's not really a child. She's like 512 years old. <laughs> 513. 513. Get it right. <laughs> DJ is my eldest daughter. Mm -hmm. And she came over because she's having a life transition. And we wanted to help out with scoping out what the future looks like right and in that process we know that we still have to work here at the typo headquarters <laughs> and so we're like hey buddy <laughs> you want to come and do an episode and she's like yes you're here anyway <laughs> <laughs> but this is really cool because this gives us the opportunity to talk about polyamory in a generational aspect dj was the only child of mine that was alive when I first started doing any kind of ethical non-monogamy back when I was 19, had all these bunch of girls at the house and doing my partners there. And then as life went on, she got to see dad be dad. So that's cool. Right. Well, and I mean, really, she watched you go through your phases too from not that she might remember baby time, <laughs> but go through phases where you were, you know, 19 with a bunch of different partners in and out of the house to jumping into more of a monogamous structure to jumping back out of that and exploring different E&M styles. Yeah. So, I mean, she's kind of seen you do this roller coaster, but I don't want to speak for her. It has been a roller coaster. Have you enjoyed this roller coaster? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely opened my eyes to different ways of living, different ways to be happy. Oh, cool. Cool. So Bella mentioned that you got to see some of my early stuff. Did you ever catch any of that? Do you remember any of that? I do remember um, the woman who had a son. Which one? <laughs> oh, what was her name? It was back in Wyoming. Anita? Yeah, she was married. That wasn't quite so ethical. <laughs> um, There's been some of that. It happens. So you do remember a little bit from childhood when you were just a wee lass a little bit not a lot but i do remember meeting a couple of your friends and i bet that's what it feels like when you're a little kid you don't know it's just 
dad has lots of friends that come and go. Like, you yeah. probably don't really know what it is. Well, and that was the thing back then, is when you were just little, I did have multiple partners at that time, and I just always had people over. And you, as a child, never thought much of it. You're just like, oh, more of dad's friends. I get to beat up with my plastic guitar. <laughs> Some of them deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun story. Oh, did you ever get attached to any of his friends, quote, friends that came and went? Like, do you remember building any relationships and then suddenly they weren't around anymore? I do remember Ariel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was always really sweet. I remember, like, hanging out with her while she'd curl her hair over at our house. And um, I don't actually remember a lot of them, though. Yeah. I remember Ariel. Okay. Man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> we actually weren't partnered, though. So I the thought, one that you picked, I actually never funny. partnered with. That is funny. But she was close. She was always at the house, and she loved hanging out with you, and it, it was a good time. She was just actually a close friend. Okay. But yeah, that's around the time frame. Those are Those are some of the times where my almost swinger-type phase... Was hitting heavy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, kind of going out of that childhood phase, as you did start to remember things, do you remember like the moment or, I don't know, kind of the time period when you realized that your parents or your dad were doing relationships differently? Do you remember when it hit you that your family was a little bit different? Anything that jumped out? I think a lot of it was kind of seeing how my dad would interact with other women that we had at the house yeah. you know he was a lot more <laughs> flirty he was a lot more um he was a lot more accommodating too like he would he'd take care of them too like friendships flirting you know they'd be over and i don't think it actually hit me until maybe i turned 18 around really? that time you were just the flirt at the parties I generally am. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everyone loves him. <laughs> they still do. He's yeah. the life of the party. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I swear every time we have a party, he walks away with another partner. Every time. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> not in a bad way. Just people connect with you. I'm easy to connect with. I there get along days. well. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm easy to connect with... With everyone but you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so what was it around that time where you started catching on? Or what were some of the signs as a child of someone who was practicing some form of ethical non-monogamy that you were starting to be like, wait a minute, they're not just friends. Do you have anything for that? I think when it started moving into more like physical contact, like you would kiss them on the cheek or like I was able to tell like who your favorites were who wasn't just <laughs> <laughs> who wasn't just a female friend and who was a little bit more like you showed a little more affection you took care of them a little bit more okay that's fair yeah I could see that yeah I did have the tendency to do that a little bit <laughs> yeah. well I figured because I didn't I didn't have any kids I don't have younger siblings that like are were around me while I was exploring anything so I my experience in this world didn't rub off on anybody like nobody was witnessing it 
So I don't really have the same kind of experience that you guys do with the multi-generations. Right. So I was like, yeah, what questions could I ask? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so did your parents, Bella, did your parents never swing that you were aware of? Like, I bet they did. Or at least my dad. Like, okay. my dad's totally a, like, pothead hippie from Inglewood, California, back before it was, like, Inglewood. <laughs> my uncle, I think it's, I think his older brother, I've, I feel like I've heard a story that he jammed with the Beach Boys once upon a time before they were the Beach Boys, and someone met Marilyn Man Marilyn Manson? Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Wow. <laughs> I always mix them up. But yeah, because Charles Manson was hanging with one of the Beach Boys brothers and yeah. my uncle. I don't know. I've heard these stories around, you know, generation to generation. For those of you who don't know who the Beach Boys are, <laughs> because you're not 900 years old. Hey. They were a very popular band back in the 50s and 60s. <laughs> okay, go ahead. But yeah, so I don't know if they were actually ever swingers. I know my mom made reference one time when I was telling her about our podcast and our lifestyle, and she's pretty open to it, but doesn't always want to hear it. Like, she's like, okay, you know, Monsoon is pretty great. La, 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 don't tell me anything else. Uh, she did make mention once of, are you safe? Are you, is it like one of those keys in a bowl parties? Like, Which we've you, never actually no. had. And it makes are you sad. being protected? Yes, mom. Yes, mom. So I don't know. She might not. Maybe dad. Maybe they just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> right, right. I sometimes want to bring another partner to your parents' house. I thought about bringing K-Fug over there during yeah. that time, but I think I might have given my mom a heart attack. <laughs> so I kind of waited. All right, fair. Okay, what else? All right, so I do have another question. How did your experience in an, a non-monogamous household affect your view of relationships? Like, you watched your dad have his wife mm -hmm. once he got married and settled into more of a monogamous lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But then you, you guys would host parties and you'd see him getting really flirty and kissy and lovey and touchy with other women that weren't his wife. Did that affect your view of how people relationship? I think that relationships are pretty... Like, you have to base them independently by the relationship. Right. But I think it affected my view of relationships a little bit later in life you know I saw how happy he was you know I saw for the most part how everything was working well and it almost like opened up a whole new view of relationship potential right so I mean I still think that a lot of people probably have a monogamous relationship but that you know that option is there if both people are happy and they aren't doing each other any harm, and they go into it with 100% open honesty with each other. So, right. mm -hmm. Which is, of course, the goal, that whole ethical part. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's funny because I do recall you and I had a conversation, I don't know, like nine or ten years ago, and you you were catching on, or, or we'd talked about it for some reason. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of just like fully putting it out there. And... I remember at one point you're like, Dad, I'm glad you're happy and I support you in whatever you do. I could never do that. <laughs> I remember you saying that. <laughs> I thought that was cute. But it was really neat because as a parent, like one of the things that I don't want to do is disappoint my children. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a small time when that 
part of my life was becoming more and more present. And it wasn't something that, like, I, I worked to hide from you kids anyway. But I was aware of when you guys started being more mindful of what was going on, right? Mm -hmm. And so being open and having those discussions, I had that fear, like, I'm going to say this and my kids are going to be sorely disappointed in me and I'm going to have to do the walk of shame. And the disappointment's always worse than the anger. Just like when a parent is disappointed, like, oh shit. Right, right. So it was warming to my heart when you're like, dad, I support you and whatever you do, as long as you're happy and as long as you're safe. So that was a big deal for me. I mean, that's like life's goal, right? Is to be happy as long as you're not hurting anyone. You Unless know. they want you to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. And having that, because as you, my daughter, know, we have a decent amount of family outside of me and you guys and your kids. And I don't give a shit about what most of them say. Yeah. But you kids, you mean the world to me. And you... When you have a view of me, I want to know what it is so that as a dad, if I'm not dadding right or dadding enough, I can work to adjust that. But from my experience, that's never been an issue. This lifestyle that I live has never been a thing that has really put you guys to a point where you're like, I can't fucking talk to dad anymore. <laughs> so that's been really nice. It's been nice. Yeah. Do you, so the grandkids are around a lot, your kiddos. Do you ever like fear or question like, oh, I don't know, granddad's having a party. There's going to be lots of ladies there. Maybe I shouldn't bring the kids around. Like, do you ever worry about bringing the little ones around? I think the only time I ever really worry about bringing the kids around is that they're going to be bored. They're going to be, you know, trying to see all these new people. And I'm really kind of a cautious parent. So anyone I don't know, I'm you know, I'm kind of worried about having my kids around, but ultimately they love being around family. They love meeting new people and I mean, they have fun too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and generally our parties are usually pretty all ages safe to a certain point. And by that point, the kids are going to bed anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a parent who's been involved in the lifestyle for so long, that's kind of how parties end up getting structured in my life is that. We all get together, we all have fun, we have some drinks, we have some food, we socialize, but it stays moderately vanilla. I mean, as moderate as I can get. <laughs> Until the kids are ready to go to bed or ready to go to their own rooms or do their own thing. And then the crazy starts to happen and the shenanigans start ramping up. Right. Well, before we were in this area too, you know, I'd always bring my oldest over to your parties and everyone loved him. <laughs> yeah. And by the time things started getting a little more adult, uh -huh. I mean, he was out anyway. Right, right. So it worked out. Yeah, and I think that's just generally a parenting type mindset, mm -hmm. you know. Have you thought about how you're going to explain it to the kids? Like even right now, so they've got Nana on one side, mm -hmm. and then they've got a grandma, and they just call me Bella, which is just what we've decided. Just mm -hmm. go with Bella. Or Bega. I like Bega. Yeah. What if Granddad has another partner or two? Like, how have you thought about how you would explain that to the boys? Oh, she has, and she's told me. 
I have? Yeah, you did. Oh. You did. I want to hear what you have to say, though. <laughs> Maybe it changed. Just for the record, I don't remember this conversation. <laughs> Good. I like surprises. <laughs> um, I'm pretty honest with my kids. I don't go into detail that they can't handle, but I'm pretty straight up when it comes to this. Like, if they're going to ask if you have a new person over, well, who's that? Oh, well, you know, that's granddad's girlfriend. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want to have to tell them lies and then explain everything all over again when they get older. Yeah. And I want to raise kids that are accepting of other people. Whether they like it or not, they should still, you know... Be accepting. Yeah. Yeah. Do and that's, th- that's awesome because I've talked on this podcast a couple of times how some of the important aspects of raising children for me has been open and honest communication. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Like I said in one of the podcasts a while back, I'd much rather take them to the rated R movie than pretend it doesn't exist, turn it taboo, and then have them desire this forbidden thing. Right. Mm -hmm. If you can just be as open and honest as possible, just be straightforward. Sometimes it takes a little explaining up front, but it's better than, like DJ said, having to go back later and re-explain things and then cause confusion. Yeah, well, I wonder if, I mean, because you grew up in some small towns, mm-hmm. your dad moved around from small town to small town, do you think that being exposed to somebody else, like your dad who's open-minded and accepting, helped you have that same open, accepting mindset? Because most small towns, not all, tend to be a little bit more conservative in their views, mm-hmm. but then you're more open. Do you think that his lifestyle affected that? A hundred percent. I mean, especially the family that you know, we're raised in, you know, our faraway family, they uh-huh. are as <laughs> vanilla mindset as they can get. And they are not accepting. They, not at all. And, you know, I love them, but it kind of hurts my heart a little bit that they can't just be accepting of other people's lifestyles, even though it in no way affects their life at all. They just have such strong feelings about right. it. It's really not needed all it does is just make them more upset for no reason right it doesn't affect their lives at all they just pass judgment but it causes tension and troubles in familial relationships yeah because they don't understand how a person could be this way and so they're going to project their misunderstanding or their judgment and you're going to get stuff like well, why can't you just do it the normal way? And why can't you just this? And, mm-hmm. and I don't see why Joshua goes around whoring around all the time. <laughs> I've heard that. Well, and it trickles down, too. It's it's not like it just affects the immediate person with the problem. It trickles down through the family. Mm-hmm. And everyone decides to have their own opinion about it. And, you know, that opinion is talked about so much that it bleeds into the next little generation and they're like oh well that crazy uncle or that you know crazy cousin has no right doing what they're doing and they're just living a bad life and it causes a whole taboo over the whole family so how much blowback have you gotten being my daughter because they all know what i do and what my life is and Mm -hmm. and i'm not hooked on meth like half of them but (laughs) loving other people is terrible So what kind of blowback have you felt as my daughter? Well, we recently actually just went on a vacation to see the family far away. 
and pretty much as soon as I got there, I got the third degree. Yeah, you know, well, what about this? And what about this? And how can he do that? How can he keep up with all these partners? And <laughs> from them constantly thinking that I want to hear or need to hear their opinions on it. And them trying to tell me that it is not okay. And that it's not accepted. And they have no idea that I myself dabble in polyamory a little bit. And it's oh, good, just... I have another question. <laughs> and it, it puts me on the spot. It makes me feel like I can't connect with my own family. Mm. And, you know, I've grown up loving my family. And then to get to this adult age where something so trivial can just make them be so hateful, it really... Well, it's like drawing a line in the sand. Yeah. And they're just like... You're one of them or you're one of us instead of just being like, everyone is a human that we can love. Well, and I got to say that I think both sides of my parental family units and, you know, the extensions out that way. Yeah. Do very much enjoy drama and gossip. I feel like that's an extended family thing altogether. It could be. I, I have many memories in my childhood of having to spend Christmas or Thanksgiving with these people and just sit and listen to them, especially the more they drink. Mm -hmm. And when you're in Wyoming, there's not much else to do but fuck sheep and drink. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you that actually listen to Wyoming, you're open-minded enough to be polyamorous. So good on you. We love you. But for my family in Wyoming, you would sit and listen to them on the holidays. And the people that they're hugging and loving, the second they leave the room, Man, it's knives in the back. Oh, yeah. I remember, like, my aunt would leave the room, and then suddenly the uncles and my mom are just trash-talking. I don't know how she could do that, and I don't know how she could do that. And it's like, 20 minutes ago, you were hugging this person and telling them they mean the world to you. As soon as they walk out the door, you can't help but jab that shit in there. I I wonder, too, if that's also a generation thing. Thinking back, right? So, like... People from the the 40s, 50s, 60s, they didn't have the reality TV and the drama, the entertainment that we have that we're all getting kind of burnt out on a little bit. I hope so. I'm tired of reality TV. So they create their own drama because, I mean, it was the same in my extended family. As soon as cousin so-and-so had whatever, you know, surgery done or did you see Susie's nose? I don't know. Did she get it done? You know, whatever it is. I think that sounded like California drama. (laughs) Oh, did she get a nose job? Oh, is that a boob job? (laughs) But it's all gossip all the time. And then throw into the mix a different lifestyle, people are going to talk. Right. And I know damn well that my parents did swinging. Right. When I was little. (laughs) I know this. Now, to be fair, both of your parents have talked to you on the phone and both seem to be accepting of me thus far. As accepting as they are of anyone. Right. Right. And I know that my dad is the rare times that we talk. He's like, you know, it's all good. You take care of you and this and that. But I also know because my family does like to talk Mm -hmm. that he's asked a lot of questions from other people. He's given his opinion. Right. The same with my mom. And that's all good. Like I've, I've lived with this all of my life. So if anything, like I'm not upset if anything I find humor in all of it. Right. It doesn't bug me. Well, and you're changing it. The generational gossip mill chain. Right. I mean, sure, everybody still talks, but as far as the unaccepting side, because from you to DJ to her kids and Mm -hmm. your other kids, 
Everyone's a bit more accepting as the generations go on. Much more accepting. Like, right. my son is bisexual. Mm-hmm. And if I was bisexual as a kid, I'd have gotten whooped. Right. Daily. Right. But I'm glad that my son is exploring his lifestyle and his sexuality. And I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And I never want him to feel like he can't. Yeah. That's another reason I'm glad I was raised with you, too. My biological mom actually disowned me because I came out as bisexual to her and she didn't agree with it. Oh, no. Same with her oldest son. Her oldest son is gay and she gave him up. She didn't want him to live with her. So he had to go back to his dad. His dad didn't want him. So now he's with his or was with his dad's parents and Mm -hmm. she just couldn't handle it. If it wasn't her way, she didn't want the kid anymore. That's so crazy to me. Yeah. All over sexual orientation. Right. I mean, like, and here's my opinion. If you're not having sex with that person, what does it matter what their orientation is? Right. It doesn't involve you at all. In any way, shape, or form. Like, I don't care what my kids are. Like what DJ was saying, as long as you're happy and you're safe, that's all I care about. Right. And that's what her kids are going to grow up seeing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. So... To jump back, because I'm sure that there's a listener out there that's like, but what did DJ tell him that she forgot about? Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On how to deal with my other partners. How to explain them to the kids? Yeah. Okay. I remember us having a conversation. It was like, especially when Bella was coming into the picture and you realize that Bella and I were serious. Mm-hmm. You're like, I totally get that. I'm all right with that. I'm comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. But if you're dating new people every week, I'm not going to be comfortable having you introduce new girlfriend after new girlfriend and confusing the kids. If we're going to have people around my kids, I want to feel comfortable with them. And I want to know that it's not a flash in the pan sort of thing. And so I don't want to, I don't want to have to keep reintroducing tons of people over and over again and i think that's a general parenting thing i think we've heard parents in paul in the polyamorous community in general have that same concern because that's a lot of people in and out and then your kids are confused and everything right and i think that's valid too i mean if my husband and i weren't together for some reason anymore and i started dating i wouldn't want to introduce them to anyone unless i was completely serious about them right it took me a while to introduce them to my girlfriend even Uh uh-huh and that's just kind of also like the protective side yeah. of being a mom. I don't want people in their life that they could possibly get attached to in that short time and then boom, gone. Right. And I think it's 100% valid. And when you you and I had this conversation, you don't remember. <laughs> I feel like it was a porch conversation in Walla Walla. It might have been. There might have been some booze or some weed or something. <laughs> But there there was no point where I was like, Deej, come on, really? Like, everything you said, I agreed with 100%. And I feel like my answer was somewhere along the lines of, well, I don't want to introduce just anybody to my grandkids. Yeah. So we're totally on the same page. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, this information about a girlfriend is new to me. 
Oh. <laughs> so my question was gonna be, do you think you could ever have a poly or outside relationship in addition to your marriage? But clearly there's a girlfriend involved. So how did that come up? Like, is this your first relationship outside your marriage? While did, married. Well, you're right. In addition to your marriage. It's my first real relationship, a relationship that I actually consider to be valid. I mean, we still haven't put an official title on it, mainly because when we were getting to that point, we decided to change our life direction. Mm. And with relocating, it's just something that isn't a possibility now. Because I, for myself, I can't do long distance. Right. But this girl is wonderful. She gets along with the kids. She gets along with my husband. And it took me a little bit. You know, I introduced her as a friend at first. And then, I mean, really, the the kids still think that she's a friend. Yeah. But she does well. And I How did that conversation go with your husband when that was... You're like, oh, I think I feel more for her than just a friend. Gotta have that conversation. (laughs) He's really playful. He likes to tease a lot. But he was very supportive about it. He encourages me to do stuff that makes me happy that we are on the same level with. Right. He's been great with it so far. Yeah. Cool. That's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm going to harken back to the beginning of the episode with that too, because when I talked about this, I was saying when I fully exposed everything to you mm-hmm. and you're like, dad, that's great. As long as you're happy and you're safe. That's what I care about. I could never do that. <laughs> and here you are doing that. <laughs> what changed? I think a lot of it was the place I was in life. You know, being in the relationship, my past relationship, was what, which was a huge impact on my life. That relationship caused a lot of personal trauma that really kind of affected the way I saw everything. And in that point in time, you know, it was monogamy completely. There was no alternative. There was no acceptance. I think that relationship was a huge influence on how I live my life with a lot of things. Yeah, I did too. And I'm glad that that relationship is gone. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Because I didn't like that one. No. So as as you're going on in life, you're happily married to a great guy. I think he's fantastic, by the way. And you get along super well. You have a couple of incredible children. And then you're spending more time with this person. Was there a point where you're like, wait a minute. I could explore this and it would be okay. If so, do you remember that situation and some of your feelings going into it or through the beginning of it? With my current... um, Or if it was a different person before her. Like when you first stepped into it, was there some sort of like emotional, oh, I want to, but I'm not sure, or maybe, but maybe not. Like, was there some back and forth when you first thought of an additional relationship? Yeah, there was a girl about about two years back. Okay. She was a friend, and, you know, I kind of liked her. We ended up trying things out, and it just really didn't work. So it kind of put me off to it for a little bit. I thought maybe it was going to be too much work. 
Well, then, when I met my girlfriend, it just, it completely changed. I, my mindset of this is not going to work in a small town was, it was just gone. And I think a lot of that, too, was how understanding she was about it. You know, she's a very private person, too, so it's not like I had to have my whole life aired out in a small town. Right. So, seeing that it was going so well and it was working so well with her kind of like sparked the hope in me again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how it changes your mindset when the right person just fits and works with it, you know? Yeah, completely. So back in episode 12, Mm -hmm. when we were doing a self care episode, Right in the middle of the episode, my son came home from work, yeah. burst through the door, <laughs> and ended up being a surprise guest host. Right. This is the first child of mine that's been on the show that was a planned host, mm-hmm. even if it was a last-minute plan. Do you recall any times in your childhood, your teenage years or whatever, of hearing your brother and sister catching awareness of... The different lifestyle that dad leads. Well, and they're younger, right? What's, what's there's the, a five year and a four year. Five difference. and four year. Five year between me and my brother, yeah. and then eight years between me and my sister. Yeah, five oh, year okay. and eight year is what I said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you would have been catching on to things before your sister had any idea what was going on. I'm also a big. I want them to tell me what it is before I just let people assume. I know that they also caught on to a lot of what I did. You know, they saw how certain girls were different than others. As far as your, you know, they gained your affection, they gained your attention. They were maybe around a little bit more. They seemed like they were better friends than the rest. Mm -hmm. So they caught on to that. But a lot of it was me, you know, well... You know, that's dad's friend. We don't know. We can't just assume. I, I'm also one of those, like, hard proof. Give me hard proof. Or <laughs> I taught her that. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to jump to conclusions. Yeah. Maybe he just really likes his friend. Well, and there was, there was a time. Now, I'm not going to tell my kids, hey, see that girl? I'm totally hitting that. Right. Because that's right. not something you tell your kids, right? But I was very open with the communication on... How close people are or whatever i just sometimes didn't feel like either i was in a titleable relationship or that it was something the kids really cared about yeah we talked about affection we talked about closeness with friends we talked about you know how certain things are okay and as long as you're not hurting someone it's all good well and it was funny because i came into your world when your youngest was 15 about five months out, six months out from turning 16. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, I was worried to meet your eldest because if that didn't go well, there was a problem. Yeah, because she's the one that... Right, and so you'd already (laughs) told me about that. So the first trip out to Walla Walla, I was like, oh, God, I better be on point. This better go well. (laughs) But then I wasn't worried to meet your son. I usually get along with boys pretty easily. I can talk whatever video games or sports, whichever way they go. Wasn't worried about your son, but then you also warned me about your youngest. So it was the two girls. My girls are super protective of dad. And I yes. feel like I came over for a game night 
or she saw me first at that first uh, Pathfinder game. Yeah. And she saw how close we were because really we didn't stop touching that whole Pathfinder game. Our arms were constantly connected. And she saw that. So she knew. You can tell with the body language something was up. And we were doing a little drinking competition. He's like, you can't keep up with me. Okay. So that was going on. And so she walked in, kind of saw the body language and left us alone. But the first time I came over to hang out for a game night, and I think we were playing kittens in a blender. Uh-huh. And it was like, all the kittens for Bella. Bella can take all the kittens. And I was like, oh, God, she already doesn't <laughs> like me. This isn't going well. And she's preteen, like, attitude at that point. So oh, there were wow. definitely, like, if you hurt my dad, I'm going to slice your neck moments. <laughs> and I was like, oh, geez. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so that's fun. That was, that was a good time. So that brings me to a question for you, DJ. Were there ever any of my partner-type people that you just were like no dad <laughs> even if you didn't say no dad but you felt it thinking back we're thinking back before we were in this location as well right sure the whole life there were a couple that i didn't care for <laughs> but unless they were playing a, like a really big role or they were actually a uh, they seemed like they were going to become a permanent thing. I kind of let you do you. (laughs) Uh, But once I realized that they were either going to be a serious thing or they weren't going to be, that's when I let you know how I feel. Because you're, at that point, I mean, it's so early, you're still trying to figure out how you feel about it. And that's not fair for me to bombard you with my feelings about it. But it always is good to hear from you. Well, yeah. I value your opinion. Always have. <laughs> so there was never one where you're like, Dad, I'm going to strangle you both. There had to have been. I'm sure there was, but I can't think of a specific <laughs> person. Because I remember your attitude sometimes. Yeah, I don't hide that very well. Right? No, I don't think any of you no. do. Like no. Your whole family is like, this is how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're going to have to deal with yeah. this. <laughs> Hemi's owner, though. Okay, so there's this one girl that had a dog. Mm-hmm. What about her did you not like? I think a lot of it was how she seemed so timid around the family. She seemed very standoffish. It's hard to connect with someone who won't connect with you or just can't. Uh-huh. And with your lifestyle, with our lifestyle, I think it's really important that relationships of some sort exists and if i can't talk to that person i'm gonna have a hard time with them okay that's what i feel like that's you have to form like you said some sort of relationship but in what we call kitchen table poly where you want everyone to be able to come around the kitchen table play a card game have dinner Mm -hmm. you have to create some sort of base friendship you don't have to be best friends you never have to talk again you don't have to talk at all but be civil and get along and hold a conversation with people around a card game Right. If you can't hang out with us and at least tell some jokes and have some laughs, it's just going to be awkward and weird and it's not going to work. But if you are listening and you do have a partner that doesn't want to be involved in that aspect of your life, and that seems to work for everybody involved, directly or indirectly, that's still an option. Absolutely. Totally valid. Any relationship style can be whatever you want to make it. Right. No labels, no intermingling, any of it. Right. Well, my girlfriend, that's kind of how we are. I mean, she can 
kind of talk to my husband. She gets along great with the kids. But ultimately, our relationship is us. Right. Mm -hmm. Because she she does better when it's kind of just us. She likes the one-on-one -on -one relationship time. And I, I do want to make her happy, too. Yeah. 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 So we're going to talk about second-generational stuff. We've talked about your view of your dad in polyamory or ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Let's turn the spotlight onto you a little bit. You've talked about your girlfriend a few times. We've we've mentioned this a little bit. You are currently in a relationship with your husband mm -hmm. and with this girl. Mm -hmm. And from the sounds of it, this girl and your husband are not in a relationship together. No. So you're having what we would call an open V, where each of you is one of the points on a V. Mm -hmm. and you're the middle point, you branch out to your girlfriend and you branch out to your husband, but they don't branch out to each other. Correct. And that seems to work for you guys. Mm -hmm. And you guys are happy with that configuration. Has there ever been a scenario where, like, the three are you hanging out in public together? Just as friends, like, the three of you going out? No, it hasn't. Um, you keep that pretty separate. We we do. Okay. And that's cool. Like, it stops me from asking the next question on, do you get much speculation that everyone thinks that you're just a triad? But if a lot of people don't talk about your personal life, then there's... Well, and honestly, in small town USA, I don't think they'd jump to that conclusion. I think if they were out and about in Portland, that conclusion may be drawn from seeing three people out and about. I don't know, though. Yeah. See, my girlfriend and I work together... Uh -huh. You know, or did before this whole corona craziness happened. A lot of our coworkers turn their heads at us. I'll, every coworker knows that I'm married. I make that, you know, very clear. There's a lot of flirting that happens in the workplace, and I don't want that. <laughs> I step aside from that. But it has become more apparent that my girlfriend and I are a thing. Right. So people are turning their heads. I do not doubt that some of them are making those conclusions <laughs> as they do know I'm married. Mm -hmm. They see how close her and I are. I mean, we haven't 100% come out to everyone yet because she just barely came out to her family. Mm. Uh -huh. So that was a trip. Yeah. <laughs> but... I would not put it past small town to jump straight to that. How well, funny. and then there's the idea that, oh, they must be in a triad. Because I know that there have been some TV shows that have kind of tried to normalize a little bit of this. Yeah. And in a lot of mainstream media, what you see of polyamory is typically a triad right. scenario. Right. Where they're all three together and they're all three doing their own thing. But maybe in the small town scenario, one of the things that you guys could be experiencing with the turned heads and the whispers isn't that you guys are in a triad but maybe you are not being faithful and your husband doesn't know and that could be it too mm. a lot of people don't know my lifestyle right i am not a sharer at work <laughs> i have my very few people that i talk to right i don't like everybody knowing my business right so that is good thing you're talking on a global podcast that's true <laughs> but i don't have to work with any of them most likely <laughs> And that's one of the things that I've experienced in the small town is when I did have my other partner types 
and I'd go out and do stuff with them, there was often that judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, does your wife know? <laughs> we that got, look. Yeah. We got pulled over one time. <laughs> here in here Vancouver. Here in Vancouver. We got pulled over, and I'm in the passenger seat, and he's driving, and I think we went through a yellow light, and he said we blew the red. So he we comes, didn't. Yeah. He comes over, and he's shining his flashlight in, and um, his wife's ID badge was hanging from the mirror. Different mm-hmm. picture than the woman sitting in the seat. <laughs> different name like it just didn't all match up well, and i had to call her because yeah. i couldn't find the insurance card in the glove box so he oh. had to call he said hold on let me call my wife and he basically leaned in with a flashlight and said well who's that and i was like i'm the girlfriend but she knows <laughs> and you could hear my wife on the phone laughing <laughs> and the police officer just kind of looked at me like, are you stupid? <laughs> <be> like, oh, God. <laughs> it was a good time. So I do have a question, though. So you're in this open V where you're the hinge and you've got these two partners that don't uh, mingle together. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about how you would handle it if your husband wanted an additional partner? Here we go. I don't know if he does, but if it ever went that way. We're asking the hard questions now. I, you know, we have... We're at a point in our relationship where we are very happy together. We're very comfortable together. But, you know, we still have the common jealousy that we have to work out. And everybody goes through it. As far as we have communicated to each other, he it's hard enough keeping up with me. So (laughs) he doesn't seem interested in having another partner. And it's something we have talked about in depth. Okay, cool. Are you ever nervous bringing new partners around your grandkids? Yeah. I am. I have various levels of how I connect with people, mm-hmm. whether it's really close friends, friends with benefits, comet type partners, long distance partners, whatever the seriousness of the relationship. And I'm not saying that that's like a step progression on seriousness. I'm just mm-hmm. showing a range of types of relationships. But whatever the seriousness of any of these relationships are, I don't want just anybody to be in my kids' or my grandkids' life. If if you're going to be there, I want to know... I mean, it comes down to trust. uh, Trust and comfort. I want to know that I'm not confusing the little ones by bringing just random people Mm -hmm. and then i'm also mindful of you know potential partner types that may not want to be involved or may not have interest in knowing them on a certain level i've also had partners in the past who've wanted to be in every single aspect of my life and they want to know everything and do everything and be a part of everything and they want (laughs) and it's like you need to calm down (laughs) that level of excitement is great but it has to be a mutual thing Mm -hmm. if i'm also not feeling all of that like over presence then it's not gonna happen yeah well and from my side coming from the outside where there's little ones involved whether it's just coming in in the beginning where you've got teenage kids or coming in where you've got young grandkids i don't want to be introduced and get attached So even where you're like safety wise, I don't want to introduce a bunch of people and confuse the kids. I don't want to meet them and get attached if we're just a fling. 
Right. Because I've had other relationships where I did come in and I was dating a parent and you get attached to these kids and you're around for a couple years and you watch them grow and develop and then all of a sudden we break up and now I can't have any contact with those kids. It's just as heartbreaking for me as the outside partner than I imagine it would be for kids losing, where did Bella go, you right. know? Well, especially because the kids, they don't know what happened. They didn't do anything wrong and now yeah. you can't be around them anymore right right and i guess when i started to answer that question and bringing up the friends with benefits in the in the long distance that's kind of where i came from in the sense that just because i'm close with somebody or just because i'm partnered with somebody doesn't necessarily mean that i need to say hey grandkids look this is granddad's other girlfriend and an other girlfriend or whatever and then have maybe a little extra pressure on this other person's part where they're like, oh, now I'm meeting the grandkids and how serious is this relationship that I wasn't ready for? Or now what kind of role do I have to play to these grandkids that I was introduced to? So part of it is also trying to be mindful of how the other person in the equation is going to feel. Yeah. As a long distance partner, if I'm seeing someone two hours away and I get to see him maybe three or four times a year. Am I going to feel more obligated to go more if I connected with their kids? Am I going to have to come up with a title for myself if I start hanging out with the kids? And like, do I even want to hang out with their kids? Like, do I now have to do birthday presents and Christmas right. presents? And, and having that pressure on somebody isn't fair if that discussion hasn't been there. Right. And then... So in that sense, I'm also mindful of who I bring around the grandkids because not only am I trying to make sure that the grandkids understand what's going on or are okay with what's going on, also what you, grandkids' mom, feels, but also what this other person feels. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. There's a lot of different perspectives yeah it gets complicated quick well and then each of the kids with their different personalities probably connects differently with people too yeah. so then yeah gosh it's just so many so many emotions involved <laughs> and everyone's got to be kind of on the same page in order for it to work yeah right i mean you're talking about dj you're talking about your your girlfriend if she doesn't like kids then trying to get in a relationship with you beyond where you guys have been comfortable at work or out on your own together and now she's coming home to kids and she's like oh i don't think i like these things i mean that would cause a change or an effect and it actually did at first she was really nervous around kids she was not a little kid person she has taught children how to skateboard i mean she teaches this professionally but little kids are a whole different ballpark, especially when this is a whole new, whole new situation for her. Right. She has never been any kind of polyamorous relationship whatsoever. She is still trying to find herself. Yeah. Right. And at first she was really nervous to meet my kids. She had a hard time with it, but we had a heart to heart about how important it was to me that my kids get along with someone who's going to be in my life as a huge influence, yeah, it ended up getting better. I just had to give her her own time to kind of get used to being around kids and everything else. Yeah. 
So then that's another question. Because you are what we would call a second generation polyamorist mm -hmm. or second generation ethical non-monogamist, you've had some experience on how to communicate and you've had some experience at least secondhand watching your dad go through it with how to have multiple relationships or that these things are even okay. Mm -hmm. It sounds possibly like your girlfriend doesn't have that experience. And so she's trying to figure things out for her and her life. Have you felt a difference? Have you felt a little like a teacher at all? Or are you guys still just trying to figure it out together? Because you and I don't have these talks on, well, this is how you polyamory. <laughs> but I mean, like, where does that sit? It's kind of, it's kind of weird. It feels sometimes like she's playing catch up to where I am mentally. She came from a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Strict? Strict and kind of traditional. traditional. She came from a very traditional family. Coming out to her mom and dad was, it was driving her crazy with anxiety. She was very nervous about it. And that was, this was in the past six months that she came mm. out. Oh, well, fresh and new. Fresh and new. And she's still kind of exploring her own lifestyle, you know, being a lesbian. She's trying to figure this out and to just have this fireball of a person who's like, yep, I'm polyamorous, I'm bisexual, <laughs> my family's good with it, by the way. Yeah. I bet I seem crazy to her. And sometimes she laughs about how hard it is to catch up. She feels like she can't keep up with me. <laughs> well, you know, she could always just go back through our early podcast episodes. That would teach her a ton. <laughs> You'd be like, you can listen to my dad. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Are you excited for the day when the boys come to ask you, your grandkids come to ask you about your lifestyle? I feel like, you know, they're going to grow up around me quite a bit and... They already believe that granddad's a little off kilter, <laughs> if we could say that. Granddad's a fun one. He's a weird one. That's kind of the vibe I get from these guys already. And I don't know that, that they'd ever come and say, hey, granddad, what do I do here, man? I'm really struggling with this situation. But I do feel like, you know, there's going to come a time where they're going to pay attention a little more about certain things. Well, and they're at the age where they're asking questions. Well, why does it do this? Why is that person doing that? Right. And I know that usually my answers are asinine. <laughs> and they just look at me like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but when I do give them serious education, they listen and they handle it well. And that's pretty exciting. And one of the things that I feel comfortable with is raising you and your brother and sister I was pretty straightforward. I was asinine with you guys also, but when you guys needed something, I was there. I was going to give you the right information. I wanted you guys to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I feel that you guys have succeeded. And so I feel confident that my choices on how to raise children is good. It may not be perfect and it may not work for everyone, but y'all didn't die. So I did something right. And so I feel a lot more confident that if they ever wanted to know more or learn more, that I could teach them and that they would listen. Yeah. Because they already kind of do. 
Oh, and they look up to you a lot, too. You're I was going to say that. You're a huge influence on their life. Yeah. You know, you've been moved away from me for two years now? Three, three and years? a half. Yeah. Long time. <laughs> and they're still always like, we need to go see Granddad. Like, when are we talking to Granddad? What, what's going on? <laughs> are we going to Granddad's house? <laughs> right. So, so there's obviously the influence. And I'm looking forward to being able to help them understand the world in ways that might be different than what you're going to get in mass media or traditional value mindset or schooling. And I think that my job in doing that is going to be much easier because you're already doing that. Mm -hmm. So they're going to hear what mom has to say. They're going to see what mom's doing and saying. And then when they look to someone else that they look up to or someone that they feel is a figure that they can get knowledge from or get worldly experience from, they're going to look to me and they're going to see that you and I are on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to help reinforce in them that this is okay or this is the right thing to do or this is acceptable or, you know, not judging or whatever it is that they take away from it. I think that they're going to take away something really nice. I'm really happy that we're on the same page about this too. <laughs> you know, raising them, if we were to raise them around our family far away, as the amount of judgment, they don't care about what they say and to who. They will straight up tell my kids, well, I don't agree with this, that your mom is doing. We still love you, but we don't agree. Yeah. And to know that you and I are on the same page, we're being honest with them, we're building their trust from the beginning. We don't yeah. have to go and redo it later. And that way, later in life, when they start going through stuff like this, they will come to us, a more reliable source, and, you know, they'll be met with love and understanding, and they won't get information from people who have no idea, only... People that are gossip. Yes. So it's funny that you kind of talk about this because one of my favorite memories with you is that day that you came to me because you had to ask me some very important questions and you were afraid of getting in trouble. And it took a little bit because you weren't sure and this was a big deal for you. You were 10 or 11 and you had a friend who just started smoking Oh, I that. <laughs> and you were so scared. Your friend was trying to push you into smoking too. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to. And you wanted to talk to somebody that you trusted to learn about this. And you came to me. Now, you being raised by me, we talk shit to each other all the time. <laughs> but you still knew dad's going to have the answers. And you did come to me and you told me ahead of time... And this is 10 or 11. You had some very mature emotional intelligence, even then. And you came to me and you said, Dad, I have a problem. I don't want you to get mad. I don't want to get in trouble. Can we just talk about it first before you have a reaction? <laughs> and I'm like, sure, let's do it. And then I was thinking you were going to say some really messed up stuff. <laughs> and that I was still going to get mad and you are going to get grounded. But you told me that you had your friend that was wanting to smoke or starting to smoke. And they were trying to push you to do it, and you didn't feel comfortable, and you didn't know, like you wanted to know about smoking. And this was relatively early days on the internet, but we still went to the internet, and like after I had my conversation, explained what I felt about it, 
we still went to the internet and we found facts. And I showed you, this is what happens when you smoke. And these are some of the things that you're going to experience. And it was a learning lesson for you. And if you didn't feel confident enough to come to your dad and ask that question, you might not have had the answers you needed to make an informed decision. Well, that, and I think a lot of it too, I was coming to you so that way you could help me build up the confidence to tell them no. Like you were my source of you're doing the right thing. You, you can do this. You know, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. So I was coming to you not only for information, but to kind of help me build up confidence to tell them, no, I'm good. I don't need that. I don't want it. And it worked. I mean, I yeah. still to this day haven't smoked cigarettes. Right. Well, and that's got to be because of that, that like you were just talking about with the grandkids, you guys had that trust relationship built. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't lying to you as a kid. He was always open and honest. And so you knew that he was going to be there and not only be honest and truthful, but that you could go to him without the backlash of being angry and he'd support you in it, which we would all hope is what the grandkids will do as they start getting questions. Yeah, and that's the goal. And then I plan on treating them the same way I treated you with the smoking thing and with many other things that you've come to me for. And because of the way that you're raised and who you are as a person, I feel like you would do the same thing. So where I have a pretty poor view of a lot of my family above me on the tree or older than me on the tree. Mm-hmm. When I look down to my kids and my grandkids, I feel like there's hope for a change in lineage because I took the time as a young parent to adjust the way that things are being taught and talked about so that my kids could learn a different way than what my parents or their parents had shown me. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool to see this happening, like for me to you. And then I've watched you and your kids, and it's the same way. So, yeah, I feel like that goes along well. How would you feel, though, if when your kids get older, maybe 20-ish, I know that you're in the later years of the 20s. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. But say your kids decide that they want to start exploring polyamory because the way they've seen your life or Mm -hmm. their granddad's life. Are you ready for something like that? I think as long as they don't try and hide it from me or lie to me about it, I'm perfectly happy with that. I just hope that they will come to me and be straight up with me, just like I've been with them their whole life. Right. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I, you know, the biggest thing I would not be able to handle is lying. But if they, as long as they're being happy, like as long as they're doing what makes them happy. Yeah. Can you imagine how that family tree is going to look if all your next generations are all polyamorous? So you've got your traditional family tree branches and stuff up here. And then, you know, here's the Monsuda branch. And then you've got polyamorous people. And there's going to be 500 little branches. Like, like, what if it got serious with the girlfriend, right? And then we all do the land and we all have our little manufactured homes on the land. And Mm -hmm. so she sticks around for a while. So then you've got, you know, two branches. And then what if your kids are both polyamorous? And then they've got multiple branches. <laughs> we're going to need to buy more land. It would be a cool <laughs> little family tree. So we're, we're actually out and about working with the relocation stuff and that sort of thing. And my son-in-law and I were in the very back of the vehicle as we're driving. <laughs> oh, man. And we're talking about some of this a little bit. And 
we were talking about getting people we care about together and all, all living on the property. And, and I know that in polyamory, a lot of polyamorists want to do this intentional community thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not a new idea. It's been big in polyamory since like the 60s, way before even polyamory was a thing. But I could just imagine all of us doing that. Like my generation, your generation, as Bella mentioned, the kids' generation. And my son-in-law is like, yeah, what we need to do is we need to get enough land to get enough people on there. And we'll just incorporate our own town. Right. (laughs) Don't worry about the community. Let's just do a whole town. (laughs) So naturally, I I felt like we had to have a bar to start with. You know what I feel like that would be? A cult. We'd have our own cult. No, I've done that. It looks way different. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be fun. Okay, I do have one more question. Okay. Do you remember when I first came around, what, like, when did you realize it was at, like, a more serious level? I think it was the way that my dad talked about you. Yeah. He was, he was adamant that I meet you. Just the way he talked about you, how happy. He just lights up when he talks about you. And I knew at that point, no matter what, I already planned on giving you a fair chance. <laughs> but 100% it meant the world to him that I give you a fair chance. I give you a chance to show who you are, what your guys' relationship is, and... Already, you had won points, though, because how happy he was. <laughs> Good. Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> I guess. I guess I'll stick around. I mean, not for you at this point. It's just for the grandkids. Yeah, even you if you guys aren't together, we still can her. I still remember one of my favorite memories, because, again, I don't have my own, you know, rel- my own... Offspring. I don't want to say blood, so yeah. <laughs> My own offspring, I can remember when one of your boys was a little bit more shy, your younger one, Mm -hmm. was a little bit more shy, and I was just like, man, I'm not going to connect with this kid, like, I'm not good with kids, this just isn't going to be a thing, I'm going to break them, something's going to (laughs) happen. And then the next time we were around, it was like, instant connection, and that kid wanted to hold my hand, and was all about it, and I was like, oh! Okay, cool. I can I can fit into this family role now. Yeah, like, he kind I can... of abandoned Granddad a little. Granddad's <laughs> got right. one, and Bea's got one. No, I have them all. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of fun for me, because it actually felt like a connection had been made. Well, and they don't see you as any... Like, they see you as family. They don't right. know any different. Right. I, they Maybe my oldest one remembers before you were around, but my youngest, you've been around as long as he can remember. We you just... might actually be able to hear them in the background. Right <laughs> we were just talking about that. Like, I keep forgetting. It doesn't feel like we've been together for three years. Mm-hmm. So thinking about how old your kids are, I'm like, man, that's that's like his whole life almost. Yeah. Like, since yeah. my youngest was before he was two, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And so, yeah, you've been in it's his crazy. life since he can remember. Yeah. Crazy. Yes, indeed. Okay. So what do you feel dating a grandparent never having kids (laughs) what kind of adjustments have you made in your life i think i got the best of both worlds because i don't have to actually physically have kids we all know i'm a little selfish and i just don't i don't want to put my life on hold to have kids i'm too out of shape i'm too lazy 
I don't, I can't at this point in my life in my late thirties have kids and chase little ones around. It's not going to happen. So I can skip that stage. You can't. Yeah. I'm chasing these kids around this oh. weekend. Yeah. But we do it for like a few hours and then we can escape. Right. So all that's the parents. Best. Hashtag all parents. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the best of both worlds. I don't have to have my own kiddos, but I can still step into the family and have grandkids because you have grandkids. So it's like, I get the benefit without doing all the work, if that makes any sense. It does. It's a little weird, because I'm 36 now. I'll be 37 this year. We've been together three years. So at 33, I became a grandparent. So that's a little weird. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And I have coworkers where I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see the grandkids this weekend. And they're like, you have grandkids? Well, no, not biologically, but yes, in my family, there are grandkids. I still get that. Yeah. They're like, you're, there's no way you're a grandpa. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I am, like three times now. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the great joy of having a kid super young. Yeah. One of the many. So, Bella just mentioned her age. And then you <laughs> took a pause and you looked at her like, what the hell? I forget. I forget how young of a parent you were. Some sometimes I forget how young you are. Right, and There's how close we are. Not a full ten years. <laughs> not a full ten years. There will be times where him and I'll talk, and I'll mention a cartoon or something. I'll be like, "Yeah, I remember watching that." And he's like, "My daughter grew up watching that," <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "I mean, to be fair, it's almost a decade after me." It was mine first. It's fine. Oh, she was trying probably, to claim my cartoon. She, she, she was Bullshit. probably watching my reruns. It's fine. See? It's a little odd, but all right, let's roll. I think that's. I think that sometimes helps, too, with us getting along. You know? I feel like that's true. I feel like her and I can connect on a lot more because we aren't super far apart in age. And it's more of a per- personal friendship kind yeah, of a connection exactly. rather than... Okay, you're my dad's partner. I'm going to be your new mom. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. Dude, I don't parent. We're good. We're good. But yeah, I agree. I think it was built more on a friendship level of just making sure people we mutually care about Mm -hmm. are good. All right. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, this was fun. I had a really good time. Thank you, DJ, for doing this. Absolutely. This was... And it was cool because like... In some way, it felt a little interviewy, but in other ways, it was more like how we just generally talk and stuff. So the microphone didn't feel like it terribly affected the communication much. It was a little bit difficult at first, but yeah. I got there. It's, it's a little yeah. weird. It was pretty exciting because you've known that we do this podcast since day one. Mm-hmm. And there are some ways that you've actually helped us continue or succeed through this whether it's emotional support or ideas or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you've been, as always, super supportive of your father. But having you come on to the show was also a little little nerves for me. (laughs) Like, it was exciting. I was a little nervous. Just having the idea of sitting down and having this public conversation with my daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool. It was. It felt really good to do. And I'm so glad that you came in and, and you did it with us. And I learned a few new things. <laughs> it was kind of fun. Yeah. So do we have any parting wisdom or any parting things that we want to say? 
I would just say, you know, following up on last week's or our bonus coronavirus episode to make sure everyone's, you know, staying healthy, taking your precautions, following what you're told, and let's get through this in one piece. Take care of yourself and your loved ones. Yeah. Don't forget to check in with people. Oh, yeah. You might be going a little stir crazy. Yes. Somebody, there was a meme going around that was like, make sure you check on your huggers, your hugger (laughs) friends who are in isolation right now. Mm. We can't handle it. Introverts, this is our time to take care of our extrovert friends. (laughs) Send them a message, call them, brighten their day. Definitely. Utilize those video calls. Mm -hmm. My parting wisdom, the biggest thing to live by in life is as long as you're happy and you're not hurting anyone, you're doing great. I would have had something, but my daughter said it for me. So <laughs> yep, yep. That's how strong this lineage is. <laughs> Psychic connection. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, as always, thank you for tuning in, and we hope that you enjoyed having DJ here with us as much as we enjoyed having her talk with you. And, as always, give the feedback that you want to give. Give us a shout-out on Instagram or Facebook. Hit up our Patreon. Email us podcast at ilovepolly.org we also have the social media links fixed on our website ilovepolly.org you can click on all of our social media links up at the top bar yeah so thank you again for tuning in and we will see you next tuesday bye bye thank you for talking your poly off with bella and monsana you can find our facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam, live like there's no tomorrow, laugh until it hurts, and and love love without without limits. limits.